Homily 9 of St. John Chrysostom on 1 Corinthians, Part 1. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Homily 9, 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 15. If any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive reward. If any man's work shall be burnt, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. This is no small subject of inquiry which we propose, but rather about things which are of the first necessity, and which all men inquire about, namely, whether hellfire have any end, for it hath no end. Christ indeed declares, when he said, Their fire shall not be quenched, and their worm shall not die. Well, I know that a chill comes over you on hearing these things, but what am I to do? For this is God's own command, continually to sound those things in your ears, where he says, Charge this people, and ordained as we have been unto the ministry of the word we must give pain to our hearers not willingly but on compulsion nay rather if you will we shall avoid giving you pain for saith he if thou do that which is good fear not so that it is possible for you to hear me not only without ill will but even with pleasure as i said then that it hath no end Christ has declared. Paul also saith, in pointing out the eternity of the punishment, that the sinners shall pay the penalty of destruction, and that for ever. And again, be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor effeminate shall inherit the kingdom of God. And also unto the Hebrews he saith, Follow peace with all men, and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. And Christ also, to those who said, In thy name we have done many wonderful works, saith, Depart from me, I know you not, all ye workers of iniquity. And the virgins too, who were shut out, entered in no more. And also about those who give him no food, he saith, They shall go away into everlasting punishment. And say not unto me, Where is the rule of justice preserved entire, if the punishment hath no end? Rather, when God doeth anything, obey his decisions, and submit not what is said to human reasonings. But moreover, how can it be anything else than just? For one who hath experienced innumerable blessings from the beginning, and then committed deeds worthy of punishment, and neither by threat nor benefit improved at all to suffer punishment. For if thou inquire what is absolute justice, it was meet that we should have perished immediately from the beginning, according to the definition of strict justice, rather not even then according to the rule of justice only, for the result would have had in its kindness too, if we had suffered this also. For when any one insults him that hath done him no wrong, according to the rule of justice he suffers punishment. But when it is his benefactor, who, bound by no previous favor, hath bestowed innumerable kindnesses, who alone is the author of his being, who is God, who breathed his soul into him, who gave ten thousand gifts of grace, whose will it is to take him up into heaven, when I say such an one, after so great blessings, 
is met by insults, daily insults, in the conduct of the other party, how can that other be thought worthy of pardon? Dost thou not see how he punished Adam for one single sin? Yes, you will say, but he had given him paradise and caused him to enjoy much favor. Nay, surely it is not all as one, for a man to sin in the enjoyment of security and ease, and in a state of great affliction. In fact, this is the dreadful circumstance, that thy sins are sins of one not in any paradise, but amidst the innumerable evils of this life, that thou art not sobered even by affliction, as though one in prison should still practice his crime. However, unto thee he hath promised things yet greater than paradise, but neither hath he given them now, lest he should unnerve thee in the season of conflicts, nor hath he been silent about them, lest he should quite cast thee down with thy labors. As for Adam, he committed but one sin, and brought on himself certain death, whereas we commit ten thousand transgressions daily. Now if he by that one act brought upon himself so great an evil and introduced death, what shall not we suffer who continually live in sins, and instead of paradise have the expectation of heaven? The argument is irksome and pains the hearer, were it only by my feelings, I know this, for indeed my heart is troubled and throbs, and the more I see the account of hell confirmed, the more do I tremble and shrink through fear. But it is necessary to say these things, lest we fall into hell. What thou didst receive was not paradise, nor trees and plants, but heaven, and the good things in the heavens. Now if he that had received less was condemned, and no consideration exempted him. Much more shall we, who have sinned more abundantly, and have been called unto greater things, endure the woes without remedy. Consider, for example, how long a time, but for one single sin our race abides in death. Five thousand years and more have passed, and death hath not yet been done away, on account of one single sin. And we cannot even say that Adam had heard the prophets that he had seen others punished for sins, and it was meet that he should have been terrified thereby and corrected, were it only by the example. For he was at that time first and alone, but nevertheless he was punished. But thou canst not have anything of this sort to advance, who after so many examples art become worse, to whom so excellent a spirit hath been vouchsafed, and yet thou drawest upon thyself not one sin, nor two, nor three, but sins without number. For do not, because the sin is committed in a small moment, calculate that, therefore, the punishment also must be a matter of a moment. Seest thou not those men, who, for a single theft or a single act of adultery, committed in a small moment of time, often have spent their whole lives in prisons and in mines, struggling with continual hunger and every kind of death, and there was no one to set them at liberty, or to say, the offense took place in a small moment of time. The punishment, too, should have its time equivalent to that of the sin. But they are men, someone will say, who do these things. As for God, he is loving unto men. Now, first of all, not even men do these things in cruelty, but in humanity, and God himself, as he is loving unto men, in the same character doth he punish sins. For as his mercy is great, so also is his reproof. 
when therefore thou sayest unto me god is loving unto men then thou tellest me of so much the greater reason for punishing namely our sinning against such a being hence also paul said it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living god endure i beseech you the fiery force of the words for perhaps perhaps you will have some consolation from thence who among men can punish as god has punished when he caused a deluge and entire destruction of a race so numerous and again when a little while after he rained fire from above and utterly destroyed them all what punishment from men can be like that seest thou not that the punishment even in that instance is almost eternal four thousand years have passed away and the punishment of the sodomites abideth at its height for as his mercy is great so also is his punishment again if he had imposed any burdensome or impossible things one might perhaps have been able to urge the difficulty of the laws but if they be extremely easy what can we say for ourselves not regarding even these suppose thou art unable to fast or to practise virginity although thou art able if thou wilt and they who have been able are a condemnation to us but however god hath not used this strictness towards us neither hath he enjoined these things nor laid them down as laws but hath left the choice to be at the discretion of the hearers nevertheless thou art able to be chaste in marriage and thou art able to abstain from drunkenness art thou unable to empty thyself of all thy goods nay surely thou art able and they who have done so prove it but nevertheless he hath not enjoined this but hath commanded not to be rapacious and of our means to assist those who are in want but if a man say i cannot even be content with a wife only he deceiveth himself and reasoneth falsely and they condemn him who without a wife lives in chastity but how tell me canst thou not help using abusive words canst thou not help cursing why the doing these things is irksome not the refraining from them what excuse then have we for not observing precepts so easy and light we cannot name any at all that the punishment then is eternal is plain from all that hath been said but since paul's saying appears to some to tell the other way come let us bring it forward also and search it out thoroughly for having said if any man's work shall abide which he hath built thereupon he shall receive a reward and if any man's work shall be burned he shall suffer loss he adds but himself shall be saved yet so as by fire what shall we say then to this let us consider first what is the foundation and what the gold and what the precious stones and what the hay and what the stubble the foundation then he hath himself plainly signified to be christ saying for no other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid which he saith is jesus christ next the building seems to me to be actions although some maintain that this also is spoken concerning teachers and disciples and concerning corrupt heresies but the reasoning doth not admit it for if this be it in what sense while the work is destroyed the builder to be saved though it be through fire of right the author ought rather of the two to perish 
But now it will be found that the severe penalty is assigned to him who hath built into the work. For if the teacher was the cause of the wickedness, he is worthy to suffer severe punishment. How then shall he be saved, if on the contrary he was not the cause, but the disciples became such through their own perverseness? He is no whit deserving of punishment, no, nor yet of sustaining loss. He, I say, who builded so well, in what sense then doth he say, he shall suffer loss? From this it is plain that the discourse is about actions. For since he means next in course to put out his strength against the man who had committed fornication, he begins high up and long beforehand to lay down the preliminaries. For he knew how, while discussing upon one subject, in the very discourse about that thing to prepare the grounds of another, to which he intends to pass on. For so in his rebuke, for not awaiting one another at their meals, he lays the grounds of his discourse concerning the mysteries. And also because now he is hastening on towards the fornicator, while speaking about the foundation, he adds, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man destroy the temple of God, him will God destroy. Now these things, he said, as beginning now to agitate with fears the souls of him that had been unchaste. Verse 12. If any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, for after the faith there is need of edification. And therefore he saith elsewhere, edify one another with these words. For both the artificer and the learner contribute to the edifying. Wherefore he saith, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. But if faith had been the subject of these sayings, the thing affirmed is not reasonable. For in the faith all ought to be equal, since there is but one faith. But in goodness of life it is not possible that all should be the same, because the faith is not in one case less, in another more excellent, but the same in all those who truly believe. But in life there is room for some to be more diligent, others more slothful, some stricter, and others more ordinary. That some should have done well in greater things, others in less, that the errors of some should have been more grievous, of others less notable. On this account he saith, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, his conduct, that is, what he speaks of here. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. Whereas if the saying related to disciples and teachers, he ought not to suffer loss for disciples refusing to hear. And therefore he saith, every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor, not according to the result, but according to the labor. For what if the hearers give no heed? Wherefore, this passage also proves that the saying is about actions. Now his meaning is this. If any man suffer an ill life with a right faith, his faith shall not shelter him from punishment, his work being burned up. This phrase, shall be burned up, means shall not endure the violence of the fire. But just as if a man, having golden armor on, were to pass through a river of fire, he comes from the crossing it all the brighter, but if he were to pass through it with hay, so far from profiting, he destroys himself besides. So also is the case in regard of men's works. For he doth not say this, 
as if he were discoursing of material things being burnt up, but with a view of making their fear more intense, and of showing how naked of all defense he is who abides in wickedness. Wherefore he saith, he shall suffer loss. Lo, here is one punishment, but he himself shall be saved, but so as by fire. Lo, again, here is a second. And his meaning is, he himself shall not perish in the same way as his works, passing into naught, but he shall abide in the fire. He calleth it, however, salvation. You will say, why? That is the cause of his adding, so as by fire, since we also use to say, it is preserved in the fire, when we speak of those substances which do not immediately burn up and become ashes. For do not, at the sound of the word fire, imagine that those who are burning pass into annihilation. And though he calls such a punishment salvation, be not astonished, for his custom is, in things which have an ill sound, to use fair expressions, and in good things the contrary. For example, the word captivity seems to be the name of an evil thing, but Paul has applied it in a good sense, when he says, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And again, to an evil thing he hath applied a good word, saying, sin hath reigned, where surely the term reigning is rather of an auspicious sound. And so here in saying, he shall be saved, he hath but darkly hinted at the intensity of the penalty, as if he had said, but himself shall remain forever in punishment. He then makes an inference, saying, verse 16, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God? For since he had discovered in the section before, concerning those who were dividing the church, he henceforward attacks him also, who had been guilty of uncleanness. Not indeed as yet in plain terms, but in a general way, hinting at his corrupt mode of life, and enhancing the sin, by the gift which had been already given to him, then also he puts all the rest to shame, arguing from these very blessings, which they had already. For this is what he is ever doing, either from the future or from the past, whether grievous or encouraging. First, from things future. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. Again, from things already come to pass. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Verse 17. If any man destroyeth the temple of God, him will God destroy. Dost thou mark the sweeping vehemence of his words? However, so long as the person is unknown, what is spoken is not so invidious, all having among themselves the fear of the rebuke. Him will God destroy, that is, will cause him to perish. And this is not the word of one denouncing a curse, but of one that prophesieth. For the temple of God is holy, but he that hath committed fornication is profane. Then, in order that he might not seem to spend his earnestness upon that one, in saying, For the temple of God is holy, he addeth, Which ye are. Verse 18. Let no man deceive himself. This also is an inference to that person, as thinking himself to be somewhat, and flattering himself for his wisdom, but that he might not seem to press on him at great length in a mere digression, he first throws him into a kind of agony, and delivers him unto fear, and then brings back his discourse, 
to the common fault, saying, If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may become wise. And this he doth afterwards with great boldness of speech, as having sufficiently beaten them down, and shaken with fear the mind not of that unclean person only, but of all the hearers also. So accurately does he measure the reach of what he has to say. For what if a man be rich? What if he be noble? He is viler than all the vile. When made captive by sin. For as if a man were a king and enslaved to barbarians, he is of all men most wretched. So also is it in regard of sin. Since sin is a barbarian, and the soul which hath been once taken captive, she knoweth not how to spare, but plays the tyrant to the shame and ruin of all who admit her. For nothing is so inconsiderate as sin, nothing so senseless, so utterly foolish and outrageous. All is overturned and confounded and destroyed by it, wheresoever it may alight. Unsightly to behold, disgusting and grievous, and should a painter draw her picture, he would not, methinks, err in fashioning her after this sort. A woman with the form of a beast, savage, breathing flames, hideous, black, such as the heathen poets depict their scilias. For with ten thousand hands she lays hold of our thoughts, and comes on unexpected, and tears everything in pieces, like those dogs that bite sillily. But rather, what need of the painter's art, when we should rather bring forward those who are made after sin's likeness? Whom then will ye that we should portray first, the covetous and rapacious? And what more shameless than those eyes? What more immodest, more like a greedy dog? For no dog keeps his ground with such shameless importunity, as he when he is grasping at all men's goods, what more polluted than those hands? What more audacious than that mouth, swallowing all down and not satisfied? Nay, look not at the countenance and the eyes as being a man's, for such looks belong not to the eyes of men. He seeth not as men men. He seeth not the heaven as heaven. He does not lift up his head unto the Lord, but all is money in his account. The eyes of men are wont to look upon poor persons in affliction, and to be softened. But these of the rapacious man, at sight of the poor, glare like wild beasts. The eyes of men behold other men's goods, not as if they were their own, yea, rather their own as others. And they covet not the things given to others, but rather exhaust upon others their own means. But these will be content with nothing, except they take all men's property. For it is not a man's eye which they have, but a wild beast's. The eyes of men endure not to see their own body stripped of clothing. For it is not their own, though in person it belong to others. But these, unless they strip every one and lodge all men's property in their own home, are never cloyed. Yea, rather, they never have enough. Insomuch as one might say that their hands are not wild beasts only, but even far more savage and cruel than these. For bears and wolves, when they are satisfied, leave off their kind of eating, but these know not any satiety. And yet for this cause God made us hands to assist others, not to plot against them. And if we were to use them for that purpose, 
better had they been cut off than we left without them but thou if a wild beast rend a sheep art grieved but when doing the same unto one of thine own flesh and blood thinkest thou that thy deed is nothing atrocious how then canst thou be a man seest thou not that we call a thing humane when it is full of mercy and loving-kindness but when a man doth anything cruel and savage inhuman is the title we give to such an one you see then that the stamp of man as we portray him is his showing mercy of a beast the contrary according to the constant saying why is a man a wild beast or a dog for men relieve poverty they do not aggravate it again these men's mouths are mouths of wild beasts yea rather these are the fiercer of the two for the words also which they utter emit poison more than the wild beast's teeth working slaughter and if one were to go through all particulars one should then see clearly how inhumanity turns those who practice it from men into beasts but were he to search out the mind also of that sort of people he would no longer call them beasts only but demons for first they are full of great cruelty and of hatred against their fellow-servant and neither is love of the kingdom there nor fear of hell no reverence for men no pity no sympathy but shamelessness and audacity and contempt of all things to come and unto them the words of god concerning punishment seem to be a fable and his threats mirth for such is the mind of the covetous man since then within they are demons and without wild beasts yea worse than wild beasts where are we to place such as they are for that they are worse even than wild beasts is plain from this the beasts are such as they are by nature but these endowed by nature with gentleness forcibly strive against nature to train themselves to that which is savage the demons too have the plotters among men to help them to such an extent that if they had no such aid the greater part of their wiles against us would be done away but these when such as they have spitefully entreated are vying with us still try to be more spiteful than they again the devil wages war with man not with the devils of his own kind but he of whom we speak is urgent in all ways to do harm to his own kindred and family and doth not even reverence nature i know that many hate us because of these words but i feel no hatred towards them rather i pity and bewail those who are so disposed even should they choose to strike i would gladly endure it if they would but abstain from this their savage mind for not i alone but the prophet also with me banish all such from the family of men saying man being an honour hath no understanding but is compared unto the senseless beast let us then become men at last and let us look up into heaven and that which is according to his image let us receive and recover that we may obtain also the blessings to come through the grace and loving-kindness of our lord jesus christ with whom to the father and the holy spirit be glory power honor now and always and unto the everlasting ages amen end of homily nine